Happy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. All right. So we are on episode five of season one. Yep. But we have some housekeeping and we have some cryptid information. Yeah, we finally have like things to say in the intro that isn't just my insane ramblings about Olivia Rodrigo. (laughs) Well, that is your summer banger. It is. Okay. So first we have merch at Tee Public. Uh, you can search for us at the cast files on T Public. It's our logo from Uga Art. Yeah, we've only got the one thing so far. But really, really love it, and uh, we'll let you know once we get our shirts in. I'm sure if you've ever ordered from T Public, the quality is going to be just fine. We are also listed on all podcast platforms. This is the time where we start asking you for favors. Episode <laughs> five. If you could rate and review us on iTunes. I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now. Yep. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Apparently that is huge for us. Yes. So if you could go over there and give us five stars, no matter how you feel about us, <laughs> that would be great. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show because as soon as we have 5,000 subscribers, I will get the UFO tattoo from, I almost said chapter four, from episode four. <laughs> yeah. And stay tuned for more tattoos. <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of forcing other people to get tattoos... Keep listening to this podcast. (laughs) Nobody's forcing anybody to get tattoos. At gunpoint. No. With one bullet in the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I hear that you have some information for me. I do. So this is our first episode that has something to do with cryptids. And I find cryptids to be fascinating because it blows my mind what people will believe. Oh, yes. I don't believe in any of these things, but I love learning about them. Oh, okay. So I think that's really funny. Recently, the last couple of days, I took a BuzzFeed quiz about cryptids and various supernatural entities, Uh thinking that I was going to say, no, I don't believe in any of these things. (laughs) And the things that I chose to say yes of course i believe in that just were it just blew my mind so i'm gonna have to take that yes yes it was really fun for the couple of times where i was like well i can't say no because obviously obviously (laughs) all right so what do you have for us today so the jersey devil is one of my faves because I, i was a big fan of the hockey team before i moved to tampa and obviously became a lightning fan Okay. So, for whatever reason, I looked into that. So I know a bunch of crap about the Jersey Devil, which, if you've watched the episode of the show, this is not what the Jersey Devil is. (laughs) It is not just naked hillbillies. Although, that plays into the legend of the thing. Okay. So we'll start with sightings all over the place for the last hundred years. All over the place, not just in New Jersey? Well, all over the place of New Jersey. Basically around the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Okay. Of a winged demonic creature just disrupting and killing livestock and stuff. That would have been cooler. It would have been way cooler. Exactly. Which is why I was excited when I saw Jersey Devil on here and then got what we got. Which was still a good episode, but... Right, yeah. I'm not saying the episode was bad. I'm just saying it maybe was not named properly. Just wait. I don't know anything about the Jersey Devil. Can you tell? (laughs) So, in 1909, though, there were several sightings within a small period of time. And that's recent enough we had police... The police were called in and stuff like that. Uh, The creature was attacking things like a trolley car, mutilated livestock, stuff like that. It was a a week-long thing of the Jersey Devil just terrorizing this area. Okay. Of course, none of that could be substantiated. Of course. (laughs) And nobody got a picture of it. Right. Before that, just random sightings. There was a Commodore who had shot, quote-unquote, shot the thing with a cannonball and didn't do any damage to it. So you missed? Basically. (laughs) 
had one of the first encounters of this thing by a person of like good repute. Oh. A little guy named Elvis. Joseph Bonaparte. <laughs> really? Napoleon's brother. <laughs> Ex-king of France. Editor's note, it was Spain. In 1820, he was out deer hunting on because when he abdicated his throne of the king of France. Spain. He moved to New Jersey because that's what you do. New Jersey's beautiful. <laughs> it's the Garden State. Oh, it is. He bought like 800 acres or something, and he was out deer hunting one day in the snow when he came across tracks that looked like a donkey but only had two legs because that's how tracks in snow work. You can tell how many legs it has. <laughs> Okay. And so he's tracking the donkey tracks, and then suddenly they disappear like the thing had flown away. And then he hears a hissing behind him and turns around to see a large creature with a horse-like head, bird legs, and giant wings. What kind of drugs did they have back then? At least opium, probably. Hmm. Ergot poisoning, for I sure. Was, yes, I was definitely, <laughs> when you said the week-long thing, I was yeah. like, how many of these people had ergot poisoning? <laughs> Psilocybin's been around forever. That's true. Bird-like legs, not donkey hooves. Right. So he, his story doesn't even stick to his own story. But the thing hisses at him and flies away. And he looked for it ever since and never saw it. What is, oh, snipe. It's like looking for snipe. Sort of like looking for snipe, except I was going to save this for the end, but it's a sandhill crane. That's clearly, that's a sandhill crane. Yes, it doesn't have a donkey head. No, but, but it of hisses. course, neither did this thing. Oh, <laughs> this that's, thing just well, that's true. Big long head, like a sandhill crane has. We have those. We have a lot of those around here. Yeah, they walk around like they pay rent. What? Yeah, they just walking down sidewalks two by two. It's like, do you live here? Yes. It's just weird. They they literally do live here. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> so let's go to the origin of the Jersey Devil and the demonic creature that it was. I do love demons, <clears throat> fallen angels. Specifically. Well, this one is just because this lady had too many children. I hate having too many children. <laughs> Mother Leeds. She was having her 13th child. That is too many children. <laughs> she was angry about being pregnant for her 13th time. Yeah. So she cursed her own baby. She said, let this baby be a devil. You know, this is all a true story, of course. So when she gave birth to the baby, it came out a normal baby according to some accounts, and then immediately turned into a devil and killed both her and the handmaiden and flew out the chimney. And in some accounts, it doesn't kill anybody. It just flies out the chimney. Either way, Mother Leeds gave birth to this demon baby that becomes the Jersey Devil and terrorizes all the Pine Barrens. Why didn't she just curse her husband? Well, why would she do that? That would make the most sense. It would really stop any future children. Probably. <laughs> Because you can't have a baby without a husband. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I'm assuming that she's having 13 children with this one person. <laughs> then again, you know what? You said what assumptions made. Yep. So historians have tracked down who this mother Leeds probably is. Because Oh, because the thing, what, thing is it was called the Leeds Devil until 1909. Okay. And then it became the Jersey Devil. Okay. So they tracked down this mother Leeds and identified her as a Deborah Leeds, whose husband named Jaffet named 12 children when he wrote about something during, uh, in 1736. He wrote about having 12 children and then they had one more. Okay. I told you. Husband. Curse yeah. your husband. Yes. Ladies. Now if you track down... Men. <laughs> if you track down <laughs> the Leeds family tree... Okay. You find that... One of the Leeds kids, name of Titan, inherited his father's almanac business. 
He wrote almanacs. His name was Titan? Titan Leeds, yes. <sighs> and in the early 1700s, if you're writing almanacs, who are you in competition with? The Guinness Book of World Records. Benjamin Franklin. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say witches. <laughs> yeah. So Benjamin Franklin was writing the Poor Richards Almanac, and Titan Leeds had a direct competition almanac with him. Did you say Poor Richards? Yeah. Poor Richards Almanac. Poor Dick Almanac? That's what Benjamin Franklin did. He's clever. Okay. Benjamin Franklin ended up just not blaspheming, um, smearing Titan Leeds all over the countryside. Okay. Calling him a devil. What? No. Of course this is how it comes down. It is. So, so Benjamin Franklin hated Titan Leeds so much and smearing him and calling him names and everything. He predicted in one of his almanacs, Titan Leeds' death. Okay. <laughs> And when it did not come to pass, Titan Leeds stayed alive. And this is this is some of the best shade anybody's ever done. When Titan Leeds didn't die, Benjamin Franklin started referring to him as the ghost of Titan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's bold. It's pretty great. <laughs> so on the Leeds family crest was a wyvern, which has like bat-like wings. It's like a dragon looking thing. Okay. Like a devil. Wow. So the Jersey Devil is entirely just made up uh, from ben Benjamin Franklin hating a dude who was in his competition with him in his almanacs. So it's just literally like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> some guy was mad at some other guy, so he <laughs> made up a story. Yep. Wow. It's, it's so, it's great. I love it. That's phenomenal. Now, what this episode is doing is taking the Pine Barrens, which is a very, very poor area. Okay. It's always been poor. It's where, because it's kind of like swampy, you can't grow any anything there. So okay. the people who lived there, lived there in like isolation. And there was this family, this sociologist or in the early 1900s, whatever you pass for sociology then, studied this one family who was just all inbred. Oh. And they had, eh, I don't want to say low IQs because IQ is not a real thing, but d diminished mental capacity okay. and everything from all the inbreeding. He, he wrote a book about it, and the book has mostly been debunked. Oh. But there, it stands to reason that there are families out there that just have not had contact with the rest of society because of how large this area is okay. and how isolated those people were. Because it was people on the run from the law and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and they just isolated out there. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, and that's where this episode goes. This episode is making those people the Jersey Devil instead of the cool horse-headed, bat-winged, bird-legged sandhill crane that it really is. You're right. I guess the urban, not the urban sprawl, suburban sprawl? Yeah. Whatever, the city sprawl is making the place where they are hiding really close by because they're getting there yeah. in one, getting there and back in one night. I don't know how close... The Pine Barrens are to Atlantic City, because I don't know geography of New Jersey. No, me But it, the Pine Barrens do show up in one episode of The of, of the Sopranos. Apparently there's just a Russian guy running around the Pine Barrens to this day, <laughs> because they didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's fascinating. We get inbred backcountry people, and we decide that they have diminished mental capacity, mm -hmm. while we also have inbred royals. <laughs> oh, and they're the cream of the crop. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think someone else is telling stories. Telling stories out of school. It's not just Ben Franklin. <laughs> no, but his story's pretty great. That is a great story. The Ghost of Titan. Yeah, the Ghost of Titan's pretty fantastic. 
I love it. Well, that's not what this show is about. <laughs> but there's there's some uh, Jersey Devil history for you guys. That was great. And thank you, because the cryptids, the monsters of the week, are really becoming my favorite thing. Yeah, they're great. All right. Enjoy the episode. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, Jersey Devil. It originally aired October 8th, 1993 to a viewership of 10.4 million people. Oh, that's more than last time. Yeah. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by Joe Napolitano. All right. This whole episode is basically centered around a murder that happened in 1947 that became an X-File, according to Mulder. There's also a lot of naked ladies in this one. Uh, Just one naked lady. Well, there's the centerfold. Oh. There's the naked lady. There's the naked lady again. There's the naked lady again. I forgot about the other. (laughs) all right so when we arrive we are in new jersey 1947 a man his wife and their children are driving at night singing bingo b-i-n-g-o it was uh billboard's hot number one that week (laughs) they get a flat tire and pull over so dear old dad can fix it he gets out he has a flashlight he takes off half the side of the car because apparently that's what you have to do And 1947, it, that might be guys. <laughs> they had that one like panel that went over the wheel in the back. <laughs> it was just wild to see him take this giant piece of metal off. I was like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Um, at some point, he asks his wife, who's still in the car with the kids, to hold the flashlight for him. And as he's asking her well, through the window, he gets dragged away by an unknown something. She jumps out of the car, yells after him, picks up the flashlight. That's the whole night scene. Well, they get, we get to see him get, his legs get dragged away. He's wearing some really nice wingtips. I did notice his shoes. <laughs> they were very nice. The wife doesn't see that, though. Well, I'm sure she's seen them before. <laughs> I didn't mean the <laughs> shoes. I meant the dragging away. <laughs> what if she just saw the shoes that time and he's being dragged away and she's like, oh. That's not my husband. Those aren't his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what nice shoes. My husband doesn't have that kind of taste. The next morning, the two children from in the back seat are still in the back seat, and they are sleeping like the dead twins in Interview with a Vampire. Oh, God. <laughs> Interview with a Vampire. Did you not notice that? No, I did not notice I that. I couldn't that. stop. I couldn't stop looking at them. Definitely the dead twins. The local police are searching for the man who was taken, and they find his body deep in the woods with his leg eaten off. Yum. Which is just probably a tasty part of a human. It's good uh, It's good meat right there. Especially it seems like it. Check out my thighs. That's good meat. <laughs> Your meaty thighs. My meaty thighs. Um, one thing that I noticed with this search party in particular is that they don't understand the grid pattern for searching. In 1947, grids were not invented yet. Oh, my bad. That, that didn't come along until uh, 1961. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm a gridologist. Nice. Did not know that about you. I learn something new every day. Yes. (laughs) Kind of like the wife with her husband's wingtips. Right. As the search team waits at the entrance of a cave, one of the officers says the creature is running towards them. Well, hold on. Because first I noticed, real quick, they pan across all the cops. One of them is Randy Disher from Monk. Oh, didn't watch that. I 
guess I did. I must have since I noticed that one of the guys was from Monk. I guess so. What I wanted to focus on is that one of the officers says the creature is running towards them. Right, they straight up give the South Park, it's coming right for us, uh, oh, I defense. Was, I was thinking, I'm scared, which means I can shoot to kill, yeah, which I... cops are prone to use. Yes. The thing that got me with this is, apparently in 1947, they're still use, they've been using the same excuse forever. We don't see the creature running. No. So they're just saying it's running. I'm skeptical. I'm the skeptic. I'm Scully here. Okay. But they do open fire. So if there's something in there, it's dead now. Yes. That's the wrap of 1947. Or that's when we go to the credits, or the opening scene. When we come back from the opening scene, it never says present day. So is this all 1947? (laughs) No. No? (laughs) Mulder and Scully did not time travel back to 1947. Okay, but Joe Napolitano dropped the ball here because I'm confused. Oh, you can't figure it I out? I cannot figure this out. Oh, no. Even with the commercial break and the intro and everything? It didn't say present day. You're right. It didn't. This is when Scully walks in on Mulder looking at the porn centerfold. Hanky Panky is what it was called. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I am I impressed is definitely not the right word. <laughs> uh, but the way she is just handles very coolly the casual workplace sexual harassment right here. Ugh. You know in the FBI in 1993 it was bad. (laughs) That wasn't the first pornographic magazine she has seen in the workplace. Right. And I'm hoping, uh, because later I remark in my notes how well they're they're starting to gel. They're starting to really become friends. Yeah. So hopefully... He knows that she really doesn't care, and he's not just, hey, look at this naked lady, (laughs) because you should get fired for that. I agree. Yes, that is a thing you shouldn't be doing at work. Right. The end. Scully tells Mulder about a similar case to the 1947 case. He just, she mentions what happened recently. That's right. Scully mentions that there's a homeless man named Roger Crockett who was eaten. Yeah, his, his... (laughs) Partially cannibalized. And off the top of his head, he just goes, oh, 1947, Scully, here, check this case out. He just has this right at the top of his head. And why? I don't... (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me. Actually, I was just reading The X-Files, Agent of Chaos today. I don't know what that is. It's a YA novel. (laughs) (laughs) And I was wondering when we see that... Mulder has, what is it when you don't forget anything? Photographic memory? Yeah. Because in the YA novel, he has photographic memory. Because of course he does. Well, spoilers. Oh, I was wondering if you wanted me to read it to you chapter by chapter and get your... (laughs) Well, not until it takes place in the timeline. He's a teenager. Oh, but still the novel. So it's just Mulder as a teenager? Yep. Oh. Oh. So anyway, I was wondering if they were ever going to allude to him having photographic memory. And maybe they're doing that. I guess. Without saying so. Hmm. Anyway, we'll see if we do anything about that. And so Scully, so Mulder's all excited and Scully says, Mulder, it's not our case. And I wonder why did she bring it up in the first place? Great point. It's not like he's just going to let cannibalism go. Right. He's going to have some sort of explanation for it. Right. Be it Jersey Devil or Aliens. Something. Maybe it was her way of getting him to put the porn down. <laughs> I guess. Because he was still holding it <laughs> until he got up to look through his, his ancient filing cabinet. Well, that's one way to do it. 
it worked. However, it didn't really work because the next day they're in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, Mulder believes that it's the work of the infamous Jersey Devil. Scully does not. She says that it's just a tall tale she heard as a kid. And Mulder says something like, well, the difference between you and me is that I also heard it when I was a kid and I believed it. No, it's great that you read the line that way because what I have written down is he delivers that line somehow charmingly instead of smarmy. Okay, I wasn't going for smarmy. I was going for Mulder. That's not coming across as smart as you think it is. I just couldn't help but be charmed by him when he said it. I think you are just charmed by David Duchovny. Isn't everybody? Hard stop. (laughs) Who can blame me? According to the YA novel I'm reading, yes, everybody is. (laughs) Makes sense to me. So they go to New Jersey. Uh, They're in Atlantic City at the Atlantic City Morgue, examining the body of Roger Crockett, the coroner who you recognized. She is in True Blood, which I also, I won't spoil right now because who knows if we start doing bonus episodes, we may cover True Blood (laughs) since it's one of our favorite shows. It's so bad. It's good. (laughs) It's so good. I love it so much. Well, she says something about how animals can develop a taste for human flesh. Which I bring up because obviously this is a cannibalism thing. There's They're trying to figure out what ate this guy. And she's saying something about animals eating people. So of course I go into animals who eat people and cannibalism in a minute. But before that, Detective Thomas Thompson. What a name. <laughs> Tommy Tommy. He comes into the examination and expresses his dislike of having the FBI involved in this case and asks Mulder and Scully to leave as the local police department has jurisdiction over the situation. Then they have a discussion about human bones being found in other humans' intestines and another conversation about animals getting a taste for human meat. So whatever else they were talking about I missed because I was Googling what human meat tastes like. I believe it tastes like chicken. It doesn't. So ready for science with Kristen? I'm Science Corner with Kristen is my favorite (laughs) corner. According to an NBC News story, the Department of National Parks and Wildlife Conservation said that as soon as leopards and other big cats start to prey on humans, it is difficult to get them to stop. Taste for human flesh. And what um, Maheshwar Dakal said about this is that since human blood has more salt than animal blood, once wild animals get a taste of the salty blood, they do not like other animals like deer. Oh, we are tasty. Yeah. So it's like MSG. See? Look at my meaty thighs. Yep. Looking at them. I'm tasty. (laughs) There's also an article in the Smithsonian Magazine that says, according to the testimonial of people who have actually eaten other people, the taste of human meat does not reflect its beef-like appearance. I would say pork-like appearance. Uh, yes. Every time I eat pork, you tell me I'm eating humans. How, how would you know that you aren't? Well, if humans are tasty, what are you going to do? I would never say beef-like. Whatever. So both serial killers and Polynesian cannibals have described humans as being most akin to pork. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but not all cannibals agree with this description. William Seabrook, an author and journalist, traveled to West Africa in the 1920s, so I'm sure his notes were just mwah. Progressive. <laughs> He later described an encounter with man flesh in great detail in his book, Jungle Ways. Human, he said, in fact, tastes like veal. Huh. So if you've ever eaten humans, let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> and the authorities. Let them know too. <laughs> no, just let me know. I'm just curious. 
Okay, we're back to the X-Files. Mulder and Scully leave the building. Mulder wants to stay and investigate. Scully does not. She wants to go to her godson's birthday party, and Mulder gives her the keys to the car. Mulder instead goes to the woods, meets with park ranger Peter Brule. And I immediately liked this guy. Me too, actually. He's got a swagger that I dig, and what I wrote down is he has real Ron Perlman energy. Oh my goodness, yes! Yeah, he's cool. I like him. Yep. Immediately I liked him. He was pretty cool. Peter Brule tells Mulder stories of why he believes in the Jersey Devil. So obviously Mulder likes him right up up front too. But just like in the Pennsylvania pub, Mulder pretends that he's a skeptic. Did did he? Mm -hmm. I didn't catch that he did uh, because Park Ranger guy is being real coy about it. Like he doesn't really want to say anything, so Mulder has to get him to say something. But he's also saying things like, oh, so you really believe in this? Hmm... But yes, Peter Brule really does. He is a true believer, as I wrote in my notes, and says most people are afraid of the woods because of JD. Mm-hmm. I've shortened Jersey Devil. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, Mulder and Brule talk a little bit more about the Jersey Devil and Brule's actual personal anecdotes and encounters. And uh, Mulder says, all right, I'm staying at the Galaxy Gateway. If you think of anything else, I did look up the Galaxy Gateway and it is unfortunately fictitious. Oh, it's a good name for a, for a motel. I agree, especially in Atlantic City. And for somebody who believes in aliens. Very true. After they stand around in the woods, Mulder travels to a certain part of town that is populated by homeless people and just walks down the street in his suit and tie, hollering out at everybody, Hey, does anybody know Roger Crockett? You know, he just died two days ago. Homeless people are not going to be just, Hey, a fed. I'm going to go talk to that guy. That's one of the worst ways to get people to talk that somehow actually works. Yes. And the reason that the homeless and displaced populations don't want to talk to cops becomes very apparent that night. Yeah, with the Atlantic City cops. Who are doing sweeps and just throwing people in jail, which we'll get to, but still. No, nobody wants to talk to the cops because the cops have made it very clear that talking to them is not a good idea. The man says that he needs some money and he will talk to Mulder, which seems reasonable to me. Yeah, that's what I have. Not going to talk to the cops for that, maybe for a 20. Yeah. In 1993 dollars, which is like $752. Right. (laughs) I've done... I've done the math on that. I the inflation again. The man walks with Mulder to a back alley area and shows Mulder a sketched picture of the creature that he has seen with his own eyes. Just the artwork is amazing. And it's also going to be my next tattoo of the season. Oh, really? <laughs> Your you, face! <laughs> are you actually... Oh, wow. Well, let's see. The UFO is 5,000 uh, followers, right? Yeah. <laughs> what at ten thousand? I should get the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> you understand how big that's gonna have to be for it to not bleed together. I don't think you understand how small I can get these needles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so distraught. <laughs> think about it. Ten thousand people. Okay. That's a lot of people. It is, but we're very good. I mean, yes. I expect... Should I put a timeline on it if we have 10,000 followers by the end of the year? Nope. No? Just forever? (laughs) Just period. (laughs) If we hit 10,000 subscribers across all platforms... Ever? Yeah. 
You're not letting me get out of this or make it. I hate it, but you, <laughs> you said it. So it's done. It's a done deal. All right. Would somebody let me know when we hit 10,000 subscribers? Because <laughs> I, I may or may not be tracking this closely. <laughs> Your face is great. I wish they could see you. They talk about the Jersey Devil. It is the most ridiculous drawing. But Mulder does a great job of not reacting poorly like we have. <laughs> And I really liked the homeless guy's behavior and acting. I don't think they give him a name. Um, I didn't write it down in my notes if they do, but he was really good at being his character. I felt like he really truly embodied how his character would behave until he gets the hotel key. And he's super excited about it. I think it's great. He asks about HBO, fun scene. I wanna know where the motel is and how does he get there? Well, he said he knew where it was and he didn't seem phased about walking there. Okay. And he has a 20 if he needs a cab. But he also needs food. Yeah, but Mulder's probably got a credit card on file with the, with the hotel. I'm pretty sure it's a motel. Yeah. Hotel motel. Holiday Inn. Galaxy Gateway. <laughs> <laughs> so they switch places. Mulder is going to stay in the alley. And the other guy is going to go and watch HBO and some nice clean sheets at the Galaxy Gateway. Meanwhile, Scully is back at her godson's birthday party. Wearing a wonderful vest. Oh, she is. You're right. I love vests. Yep, you do. There's two notes that I have about this party. There's a lot of scenes with it, but we nothing really happens there. Besides, she says that Mulder's cute, but a jerk. No, he's not a jerk. He's just really into his job. And uh, there's a lot of noisemakers. Just constant noise in every scene. Yeah, it's a bunch of children at a birthday party. I would rather fight the Jersey Devil than be at this party. <laughs> it was obnoxious every time and then my other note about the party is that uh, the divorced vampire dad shows up yeah rob scott's dad he comes in he doesn't do anything horrible but he just has bad guy vibes he does and i was curious after the true blood coroner i was like is he a vampire from true blood maybe an i don't know he gave me vampire vibes. I looked him up later, or today, actually, and uh, he's Sam's dad on Reaper, which is not a vampire. So I don't know why he gets why he gives me such bad guy demon vampire vibes. Don't me, know. Me neither, but he definitely did. His face, something about his face. He didn't do anything wrong. He was a little bit too needy later, but um, now he's, whatever. I just have he vamp, divorced vampire dad. After the party, we, uh, we go back to New Jersey. Mulder is sleeping in the fort, the, the guy's fort, and he sees a fully naked woman with unblemished skin. Very dirty skin. But not blemished. It is very smooth. She's dirty, but she's very smooth. She doesn't have scars or anything. And we can tell because the lighting is great and you can tell that this is a naked woman. And she's digging through the trash. Mulder chases her, of course, but she gets away, of course. Props to the set manager on this <laughs> because everything is placed very well when she's climbing and jumping and stuff so you can't see her butt crack. That's right. I'm wondering if they had to go in afterwards and darken some of those areas, darken some of the shadows. Possibly. I don't know. What was technology in 1993? Cutting edge. <laughs> Before he can get a good glimpse of the creature, the police show up and cart Mulder away. However, we get a good look at the air quotes creature, and it's, it's a fully naked lady running through the back alleys. Yeah, it's just a person. It's not a Jersey Devil at all. No, it's just a lady, fully naked, long dark hair. Probably could use some conditioner. 
along with her shower. The end. When the cops show up, which is where we were saying why the other people wouldn't be talking to police whenever they show up, the cops show up just to arrest Mulder. Just to arrest anybody they find. Oh, yes. Anybody they find, Mulder's there doing nothing. nothing. He's standing in the street. As far as they can tell, he's just standing in the street looking at the top of a building. With, one would assume, his FBI credentials. I would assume that. They do wander around without their guns all the time, but I think that they would keep their badges on them. I would think. Or is it just back in the Galaxy Gateway and um, What's-His-Face is just walking around pretending to be FBI <laughs> for the night? Yeah, with a, with a gun that has one bullet in the magazine. <laughs> he is living life. Good for him. Before they take him away, he says, there's a man on that roof. It wasn't a man. Even kind of a little bit. It wasn't. No, even running away in the darkness, you could tell that that was a woman. It was a the Hollywood body type of woman. <laughs> They're keeping the Jersey Devil to Hollywood beauty standards, which is absolutely ridiculous. Did you see <laughs> where how... Do you, where do you think they're going to cast somebody to be? Did this? you see how nice... Her eyebrows were? No. You couldn't see in that specific scene, but later you get a really good shot of her eyebrows, and they are well done. Like, today, somebody threaded them or something. My eyebrows are fantastic, too. Are you also the Jersey Devil? Half. Is that why you look like a naked lady when you run away? (laughs) Yes. So the next scene, Mulder's in jail. Detective Thompson comes in and makes some snarky remark about having to come in, even though his team is sweeping the streets for literally everybody. Yeah, his team, not him. He doesn't have to do it. (laughs) They get into an argument on why the detective was keeping the existence of the creature secret, of course. Mulder says that, accuses him of doing so because of the fear of losing tourists. Yes. I desperately wanted them to mention Donald Trump right here. Oh, did you? Because Trump Casino is alive and kicking right now in 1993, laundering all kinds of money for all kinds of people. I just, I was hoping somebody would say it. I desperately would like to never hear that man's name ever again. So I guess we are different people. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Mulder shows Detective Thompson the sketch of the Jersey Devil. Your future tattoo. My future tattoo. And this is the only time I'm on Detective Thompson's side. He straight up laughs in Mulder's face (laughs) when he looks at this sketch. Deservedly so. If you haven't seen it, uh, I will be putting images on our social media. If you have seen it but can't quite picture it, I'll definitely get some images out for you. I had a question about this, which kind of you've kind of covered, but can you just arrest an FBI agent? I don't think... Well, I was going to say I don't think you can arrest anybody without cause, but you definitely can. So. Right, they do that all the time. Sure, why not? <laughs> can you arrest... So it seems like Mulder's in the pen for all weekend. Yeah. Can you just hold him for all weekend? Yeah, because you can't release people during the weekend. You can't? No. Have some more people there. There's, to, there's to, no court. There's no court on the weekend. What if somebody's in the drunk tank on Friday night? Then they're there until Monday morning. But they don't have to go to court. Can't you just release them with a ticket or something? I obviously don't know how <laughs> any of this obviously works. obviously don't. Well, I think they have a big enough budget to work on the weekends. Okay. I'm sorry. You should be. <laughs> how dare you? I can't believe you brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> and created these laws. <laughs> you can't release anybody on the weekends? They don't release anybody on the weekends. 
Can't wait till I'm in charge of everything. So Mulder calls Scully to bail him out. She's back in DC. She comes to get him. She teases him on the way to breakfast uh, about, am I going to pay or did you pick up some money panhandling? It's a pretty good joke. It was. It was. They're, episode five, they're finally giving Scully some good lines. Yes, their banter is getting good. While they're at breakfast, Mulder is just eating and talking with his mouth full. This whole scene. He's been eating jail food for, for an entire weekend. He's starving. He is eating and talking with his mouth full and saying things like, There's no way a human could get on that roof that fast. <laughs> yeah, that, it's pretty ridiculous. And I said, what about parkour or Cirque du Soleil? She didn't say parkour when she was running up that building. Oh, you have to say parkour? Yeah, you can't do parkour without saying parkour. I guess I never watch those videos with sound on. Yeah. Hmm. Why do you think when we're watching that one anime, I'm always going parkour? I'm translating. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, thanks. The way that I was looking at it, I've decided how she got up there on the roof. Um, she got up there with a complicated arrangement of those tiny aerobics trampolines. <laughs> Tilted at a very specific angle. She just bounced off of each of them. It's a good forethought to set that up ahead of time. I think so. She's got to get out fast. She knows. She can't get caught. I did note one part of their conversation here where Scully says she has to get back to Washington and Mulder says another birthday party because before he had said, why, do you have a date? She said, no, it's my godson's birthday party that I would really like to go to. He didn't give her crap about that. Good job not giving her crap about that. But this time he says, what, another birthday party? And she says, uh, no, I have a date. And Mulder looks around a little bit and kind of chews his food. And then he says, can you cancel? (laughs) (laughs) And Scully says, unlike you, Mulder, I would like to have a life. I feel like they're chasing aliens and Jersey Devils. What what more do you want to life? For real. And they're eating at diners constantly. It sounds like a wonderful life it's to me. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> they go to see an anthropologist, Dr. Diamond, who Mulder describes uh, the scene and the creature. They keep calling it a creature. It's obviously a naked lady. Dr. Diamond believes that it's a missing link, or the missing link, a creature that is a go-between of apes and humans. Again, what a large leap in logic to get there. Yes. They talk about where the creature would be on the food chain, and the doctor ominously replies that it would be somewhere near humans. It is a human. (laughs) Well, they speculate about all this stuff. uh, What if mutation happens or whatever, and they go above us on the food chain, and the doctor, who, by the way, was on Barney Miller, so shout out to Barney Miller, says that when you went in for fast food, they'd be there ready to eat you. Which was just, it, it's all, this entire scene is just super weird to me. It really is. But I have another science corner coming up. Oh, okay. <laughs> At one point, Dr. Diamond mentions people being raised by wolves. It must have been around the time when they were talking about uh, mutations and stuff. Yeah, I think Mulder brings it up. Okay, so I looked up how often and in what circumstances that happens. Excellent, because I I wrote down, raised by wolves is real? It gets even cooler than that. Okay. Or more awful, depending on really all of the circumstances. So feral children are an actual thing. The term feral children is described as having been isolated from human contact from a very young age. They grow up wild, sometimes being taken care of by animals. In other cases, feral children have been confined by people, 
usually their parents. Yeah, so there's some sad stories involved with feral children. This article that I found is called Feral Children, Mind-Blowing Cases of Children Raised by Animals. And I just wanted to give you a couple of children and who they were raised by. Okay. Sidi Muhammad is also known as the ostrich boy. (laughs) He was cared for by ostriches until hunters killed the ostriches and found him. Was this in Australia during the ostrich wars? I didn't look up that further. Also, that was emu wars, so never mind. Oh, that's true. Correct. Marina Chapman was sold and abandoned and then raised by monkeys. I told you some of these are not very nice. I found this one intriguing. There's an unnamed one-year-old that was kept alive by feral cats. How? The cats, it was when it was cold, the cats would lay on top of the baby to keep the baby warm. And when any threat would come around, the feral cats would chase it off. I read a little bit into this story. Okay, but how did they feed it? I don't know. And for how long did they keep a baby? Unknown. Okay. There was another boy unnamed who was adopted by a group of dogs. Lyoka, the wolf boy of Moscow, is an interesting story and I really would like to read more about it. But just for our time's sake, because this isn't X-Files stuff, although it could be. He was captured in December 2007 and within 24 hours he had escaped the high security facility they were keeping him in. Holy crap. He has never been seen again. I smell bonus episode. (laughs) There is also um, Andre Tolstik, who was raised by a guard dog, and Saturday Mithyane. I apologize for all of these names that I'm butchering. Saturday spent about a year with monkeys when he was four, and this is another sad story because at 17, he still behaved more like a monkey than a human. So he is not returned to, I guess, civilization would be the term we would use. Mm. That poor kid. So some of them sound like adventures, adventure novels, and others sound real sad. I I think they all sound real sad. Well, okay, yes. But that answers the question, have children been raised by animals? And the answer is yes. We'll get away from the the sadness and go on a date with Scully and Rob. That's even sadder. (laughs) So Scully goes on a dinner date with vampire dad Rob, who asks about her case. She looks at his steak that he's eating and declines to discuss her case during dinner. About cannibalism. Yes. So he invites her to hang out with the kids at the beach for date number two. Remember, Scully doesn't have children. She is a godmother, and he's inviting Scully to not only take care of her godson, but also hang out with his child. Yeah, it's it's real quick. <laughs> as, a, uh, as a man who dated and then married a woman with a child, how would that have gone if I had been like, hey, nice to meet you. Would you like to just bring someone else's child along to <laughs> hang out at the beach? <laughs> we probably would not be doing this podcast. Probably not, because... Duh, that's not first date conversation. He asks her to the beach with the kids and talks about something about taxation and something else, but I stopped listening because he was obviously too dull for Scully. Yeah, Scully also stopped listening at that point. (laughs) Scully and I stopped listening, made eye contact through the TV, and we were both like, oh dear. That's the end of that date. We don't know what else happened. Hopefully it was over quickly. Later that week, the whole team is back in New Jersey. Uh, Oh, you're skipping over a real big point here. Oh, okay. Because while Scully's on her date, Mulder is looking at pictures. He's looking at pictures of, like, (laughs) foot imprints. And then as he's just shuffling through the pictures, there's just in his stack a drawing of a Bigfoot (laughs) with big old boobies. 
it looks so ridiculous that I refuse right now I refuse to believe that that's not like photoshopped in somehow. We're watching on Hulu and this this is like somebody's weird joke. If any of you are watching like the DVDs, please email us or tweet at us or Instagram us or YouTube comment us or any just Please, if this is originally what's in there, I need to know why. I need to know what's going on with this Bigfoot booby picture. It's just Mulder at work again looking at boobs. <laughs> if if we get 100,000 subscribers, I'll get that tattoo on me. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous. I uh, Full back piece? Full back piece. Nipples and all. Yeah. Well, you can't have you can't not have the nipples. Some people don't have nipples. <laughs> well, this Bigfoot does. <laughs> You're right. I skipped over the porn again. <laughs> all right. So later that week, they're back in New Jersey, searching an abandoned warehouse. There's a whole group of people. Mulder and Scully are there. Just a ton of people wandering. The around. ranger is there. Yep. The professor is there. Yes. There's cops there. We missed something else. What? They found the, the dead, the, the male, the dead male. That's why they're going after it. Oh, see, they I f- must have just gotten so bored by Rob that I stopped paying attention. Rob for put everybody minutes. to sleep. The only reason I remember this is because I have a note here. Mulder says that there's a 50-50 chance that there's a mate. Oh. <laughs> and I want to know where he came up with those odds. What math did he do? Because that's not accurate at all. <laughs> He's in Atlantic City. They could find, like, a bookmaker and say, hey, what are the odds that this feral man has a mate? And it's not going to be 50-50. It's going to be, like, three to five. (laughs) Three to five that he doesn't. That's not how odds work. Just because it's either he does or does not have a mate doesn't make it a 50-50 chance. (laughs) That's right. I didn't write any notes because we were having that discussion. That's right. So then they're in the warehouse looking for her. Yes, everybody. Just everybody's along for this journey. They Whether you have the credentials to be hunting a person <laughs> or not. You're a professor that talks about feral children. You're a park ranger. I guess that would make sense. Or an FBI agent. I mean, if the dog catcher should have been there too. I mean, she wasn't raised by wolves, literally. We don't know. Well, I do because I have knowledge of the Jersey Devil in my brain. Okay. Well, they spend a lot of time in the scene wandering around in this dirty, dark place. But the main point that I want to say is that Mulder runs off alone again. After Scully says that women be shopping. Oh, yeah, that was not great. She did say that. But again, Mulder runs off alone. Mm. He did this in episode one. (laughs) He did this in episode two. He did this in episode three. (laughs) It never works out for him or his partner. One or the other of them gets hurt when he runs off. He did it in episode four as well. I had a feeling. Yeah. So in this episode, when he runs off, he confronts the creature solo, just totally by himself. She just knocks him down. And she knocks him down. And then, of course, she gets away. Well, she knocks him down, and then she straddles him. Oh, and she says, look at how nice my eyebrows are. No, she is enthralled by his beauty. Oh, (laughs) She's just staring at him. She's just staring at him like, oh. He's also staring at her like, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're having a moment. 
That's what I was looking at her eyebrows. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Uh, it's a good thing this was on Fox, and that's why it's so dark in here. If it was on HBO, woo, there'd just be all kinds of body parts visible. <laughs> Oh gosh, true blood, anybody? <laughs> if it was, if it was a Benioff and Weiss joint, <laughs> there'd just be all kinds of untrimmed <laughs> stuff. Just stuff. I'll just leave it at that. Oh my gosh, this is not explicit. Okay. Stop. Oh, that's why I cut myself off. <laughs> then she runs away. Scully arrives, and Mulder says, "You should have seen her. She was beautiful." I've got my notes backwards, because right before she runs off, she karate chops his liver, just like Stretchy Boy. Yes, yes, I have a note that says, the X-Files monsters of the week like to rip out organs with their bare hands. Yeah, she gives him the old Stretchy Boy karate chop. And Mulder likes to tell Scully, it was beautiful, you should have seen it. Because <laughs> yeah. he did that in episode one, too. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And then no further information. Nope, no further information. So Mulder's getting medical treatment after his dumb stunt and the SWAT team goes in to try to find the, the female. She gets away from them and runs out into the woods. While they're in the woods, Mulder, Scully, the park ranger, the professor, anybody else in their team? I think that's their team. Okay, so their team is out running together. They're all, to, all together. The park ranger has a tranquilizer dart that says we'll put a 500 pound bear to sleep and he's got a just amazing aim he has the best aim he's, he's got to be 300 yards away easy <laughs> just tags her with it yep so they shoot her with the trank and then the SWAT team or cops I unclear chase her after she's already been tranquilized corner her she fights back bites some guy's shoulder and then they murder her yeah they just murder an obviously unarmed woman Yes. She's not, where is she hiding anything, guys? Come on. She's naked and smaller than all of you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was unshocking and real gross. Yep. Uh, Mulder examines the dead female body, uh, that's lying on the ground and is covered in leaves. At one point in the background, somebody comments, look, it looks like she's trying to bury herself. <laughs> and I think they had that line in the background so that they could cover her and make her presentable on Fox TV. Right. <laughs> Mulder is mad, as he should be, because this is ridiculous, and asks Thompson his reason for killing her. And Thompson replies that that's what you do to a rabid animal. Mm-hmm. Which is just real gross. Yeah, everything about this scene is disgusting. Yes. So we'll just move on. One week later, Mulder is still disappointed that the woman has died, of course. He realizes that she was probably only trying to protect her offspring and killed by those who were a threat to her and her family. She also only killed people, according to Mulder, based on not much of anything because... Yeah, he's got no no basis for any of his no basis. theories. Really. But he does think that she only kills people who were a threat, a direct threat to her. What was the drunk homeless guy in the woods threatening her with? Yeah, he was just food, I think. I think so. So, Mulder, just because you and she had a moment doesn't mean you're right about everything. Sorry. Scully comes in, and they're, they're talking about this, and... Scully just finally says, Mulder, do me a favor. Go have a beer. She has reached the end of her rope with that. She has. He says that he can't go have a beer because he has an appointment at the Smithsonian with the, an ethnobiologist. So I looked up what ethnobiology is. It is the scientific study of the way living things are treated or used by different human cultures. It must be a branch of anthropology. Hmm. Uh, it studies the dynamic relationships between people, biota, and environments from the distant past to the immediate present. Okay. 
seems like a good person to talk to about this thing if you actually think it's the missing link. Right. But you can tell that it's not because you've done autopsies on two of them. Yes. And they're just people. They're just people. While they're talking, the phone rings. Mulder answers it, says it's for Scully. It's Rob asking her if she wants to get her godson and go to Cirque du Soleil, which I was super excited about because I had already said Cirque du Soleil earlier in the episode. Mm -hmm. And she says, um, no. (laughs) She goes out to... See Mulder, who's checking out a car, it sounds like, to go to the Smithsonian. At this point, I was excited uh, for the second viewing because in my first viewing, when I write my notes, <laughs> yep. I had written a note here that I had no idea what it meant. So I was just thrilled when I figured out that Pickles! exclamation <laughs> point is referring to the comic strip that the desk officer has tacked to their desk. I don't know why I thought it was important enough to write a note about, but I I was happy to solve the mystery of my weird note. My favorite part of this whole ending scene with Mulder and Scully is Scully's going with Mulder to talk to the ethnobiologist, and he's making fun of her for... He's not making fun of her. He's teasing her about not having a life, or I thought you wanted to have a life. And she says, keep it up, Mulder. And I'll hurt you like that beast woman. She's going to learn how to do the uh, the karate chop. The uh, stretchy boy karate chop. Yes. And then the very last scene of this whole thing is a boy and his father hiking in the woods. Apparently, they're not afraid of the Jersey Devil, like the park ranger said everybody was. Which is weird because the guy, the dad at the end, was the dad at the beginning. Was he? The same actor played the, played the two dads, yeah. Are you sure? Positive. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did not catch that. They were dressed wildly different. <laughs> the boy asks the father about a small object that he saw, and the father replies that he doesn't know what they saw but starts telling the son the story of the jersey devil and as he's talking about the jersey devil we see a small female child peering up through some branches and brambles a feral child no animals in sight but who do you think is going to raise her now obviously the male is dead and the female is dead oh she's old enough she can have responsibilities she's like six (laughs) i mean shoulder to the wheel no We watched The Dollhouse last night and episode two, if you want to know what that's about. <laughs> All right. So, Kristen. Yes. Who you shipping? Ooh, I don't know. Who are you shipping? All right. I had a hard time with this. My notes have nothing. So I'm going to ship the feral little girl. Okay. And the little boy that's out hiking in the woods. Oh, okay. That seems cute. That's who's going to raise her. The the dad's gonna raise her and they're gonna become like best friends and then grow up together and fall in love gross no they're not related they grew up together you shouldn't fall in love with people you grew up together with in your same household says you and yes me doctor of not dating people you live in the same house with (laughs) you literally date someone you live in the same house with me we're not dating sure we are when's the last time we went on a date (laughs) before the pandemic Unless you count kayaking. That was Mother's Day. That doesn't count as a date. Okay. And so. I and I set it up. <laughs> <laughs> so? No, not that I can't set up dates, but it was Mother's Day and I set it up. So I'm counting it as not a date. Okay. So who are you shipping? I'm shipping the professor, the anthropologist. Okay. And the park ranger. Oh, 
Okay. Park ranger is just a couple years away from retirement. He and is. His pension. That's true. Taking a nice golden years together. I think so. I and the reason that I'm doing I'm saying that is because the park ranger has some experience with the Jersey Devil. So he's he is a true believer. He has anecdotes. He has there's something in him that just really would love to have late night conversations by the fire about the Jersey Devil and other things in the woods. And the anthropologist would also like to talk about the missing link and make up things that are actually not scientific at all. Okay. And I think that they would have some wonderful fireside chats. Alrighty then. How would you survive this? Yeah, I keep if you need if you want me to stick to survival, then you're gonna have to crack down on me because I keep doing it as solution. Well, that's because you're not paying attention. That's <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> anyway, my solution to this is defund and disarm the police. <laughs> They would stop murdering unarmed people? Yes, exactly. That is true. Uh, My survival method for this particular Jersey Devil is to continue doing what I'm doing now by not being in New Jersey. That also works. Well, five episodes in, Kristen. Are you ready? I'm ready. We have now lasted as long as a show called Time After Time, in which they use time travel to hunt for Jack the Ripper. No, why does everybody do that? I don't know. Why do you need to time travel to hunt for Jack the Ripper? Is he also time traveling? It's a terrible, terrible premise. In this, I didn't I didn't watch the show, and I barely read the recap because it just sounds terrible. But is he, like, did he kill, like, hundreds of women? And you're hunting him down to make sure he only kills the three? It's real. Just because it's unsolved doesn't mean it's as interesting as you want it to be. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. But maybe maybe that one isn't as bad as Hank, starring Kelsey Grammer as a big city executive who moves to the country to be a country executive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be a country executive? Yeah, I don't know. But apparently this show was so bad, Kelsey Grammer called the network and asked them to cancel it. Oh, someone signed the dotted line without reading the script. <laughs> Anything else? That's that's what I got. You got to be pretty bad for the main star to ask to be canceled. I agree. Oof. Yikes. Well, good for us. Good for us. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. This episode edited by Dave Reed. Music by Hal Six. Logo by at Uka Art. That's O-O-K-A. A-R-T. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles.com. That's the with two E's. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Give us five stars. Leave a review about how much you love us and how much I don't mumble into the microphone. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.